Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RAA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome everybody to uh, today's Finlet episode. We're going to be talking about annuities. I think uh, annuities have a, a good part in some financial plans, but over the industry in general, it's almost like an epidemic where they're oversold, high commissions, um, and promise a lot of upside, but really, really hurt a lot of consumers, a lot of clients. So today we're going to do a deep dive. James and I are going to do a deep dive on when is an annuity a good option how does it fit? And then what to look out for? Because I'd say over 90% of annuities are, will hurt you, not help you. So let's get rolling. Cool. Matt, let's just start with what, what's an annuity? What's it used for? Yeah. So just by definition, if you think about like a insurance company, um, it's the opposite of life insurance. So if you think about life insurance protects somebody, a loved one, child, a spouse, maybe your entire family from dying too soon. Right. So if you think about if you're in the accumulation stage and you haven't accumulated enough assets to protect your family or your kids are still under your roof and you're planning on funding their college or retirement, et cetera, a life insurance policy will protect those future earnings. An annuity does the opposite. It's for the distribution stage. So when someone's older, you essentially are handing a lump sum of money to a insurance company. And in return, they're promising to pay you a paycheck until you die. And then you can put a spouse on the annuity, um, where if you die, then it goes to your spouse until they die. But it's the exact opposite of life insurance. Life insurance protects against mortality risk, against dying too quickly. An annuity protects you against living too long, essentially. So you never run out of money with an annuity um, if, if you purchase one. So just by definition, an annuity is meant for someone in the distribution stage. Or not, we love the analogy of Mount Everest. There's the climbing stage. You're accumulating assets to get to the top. Once you're at the top, there's the most dangerous part, which is the getting down stage. And that's where an annuity is a fit. However, we see annuities mostly sold to someone in the accumulation stage, which is um, most of the time a, a very bad mistake. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to note that this is a contract with a life insurance company. And so then it kind of, we've did a podcast, we mentioned this in past podcasts, like life insurance is also has same thing, oversold, bad reputation, um, and this kind of ties right along with it. So let's dive into, we've seen some questionable annuity placements in our, in our time. Um, so let's many, look at many, many. Yeah. Um, let's just dive into why these have such a bad reputation. So the first thing, there's very high commissions normally, t generally, not all news, but generally there's very high commissions paid when these are sold. Um, so the agent that sells it is getting compensated very heavily. There's regulations based on how much of your balance sheet legally can go into an annuity because of this, but it still can be a pretty astronomical amount. So because of this, they're oversold. They're pitched and pushed by these big companies because that is just fundamentally their business model is selling these products. That's how they make money. Um, and so a lot of times these look really good. It's like if you had like, 
if you had like an old car from like the 1950s and it got like the outside got remodeled and repainted and it looked like this like awesome sports car but then you like lifted up the hood and like the the engine was like had like 500,000 miles from the 1950s like looks really shiny and cool on the outside but then when you like look on the inside it's like not what it looks like it's not so good huh yeah and so that's generally what a lot of annuities we see look like they're they're sold they look really well they look really good when they're being sold but then when you like take a deep dive there they're not so good. Yeah, so let's talk about real quick. Let's talk about the pitch that we hear often. So we're going to talk about three types of annuities today. We're going to talk about income annuities, like fixed income annuities. Um, these are, in our belief, the best, and where we've seen um, really good planning can be for very select clients can be put into place with income annuities. Um, there's a huge fad right now for index annuities. Index annuities. I'm going to use the the term politely. Um, a lot of them can be very scamish, just with how they're sold. Um, and then the third type of annuity is a variable annuity as well. So we're gonna address all three of these. Um, so why don't we talk about the fixed annuity first? So um, Jameson, give it, just give us a general breakdown on the fixed annuity. These are, the, these are potentially the good type of annuities. So just let me just give a quick example. Um, you know, there used to be let's just, you know, rewind 50 years. If you're a retiree, you really had like a three-legged stool to support your retirement. First and foremost, you, you had a pension from your company. Most companies had a pension. Um, works similar to an annuity. It pays you a paycheck until you, you die or until your spouse dies as well. The second stool is you had a strong Social Security paycheck typically. And then the third would be your personal savings. Now, fast forward to today's day and age, someone retiring most likely doesn't have a pension does have social security, but most of the pressure on the retirement is going to be their personal investments and savings. So at some point, if someone's living off of, let's say they're retired and they're living off of uh, $200,000 a year and their only guaranteed income is social security between them and their spouse, let's say it's, you know, net 50,000 a year between the two, that's $150,000 a year gap. So if they have a couple million dollars saved in investments and they want to meet, you know, their obligatory needs, let's say they want to spend 200000 a year, 80000 of that has to be spent, that we're talking about like groceries, utilities, housing payments, et cetera, and 50 of that's coming from Social Security, someone may want to purchase a fixed income annuity to get that get to give them that extra 30000 a year so they don't have to worry about the stock market up going up and down to meet their needs. So in general, you know, if someone's in this situation has $3 million, um, we may see 10% of that going into income annuity, maybe 300,000 uh, that then spits out in income. And that just allows the remaining, the $2.7 million of investments to then be invested, you know, strategically diversified in equities to keep up with inflation, et cetera. So talk about the, um, talk about how that works. So if you were to purchase an income, a fixed income annuity from a reputable insurance company, you know, what kind of company would you want to look at? Um, let's talk about the state guarantees and let's talk about, you know, what, what options someone would want to select, especially if they're married on that, on that fixed income annuity. Yeah. So a bunch of different riders, different things you could add to this, but just in general, well, number one, you want to do it just like whole life insurance with a strong AAA rated mutual company. Um, this is going to be, it can be similar to 
how life insurance is invested in their big general account portfolio. Generally, that's a really safe investment. Um, and they may give you, so again, if you, back to what you already said, if you give somebody, I'm going to use round numbers, $300,000 to the insurance company, they may say, we'll pay you 30000 a year for the rest of your life. Yeah, that, that's if they're older. It's usually about 6 or 7%. Yeah, so that's probably going to spit out 20000 yeah, a year for someone in their 60s, right? Yeah. Um, so that would be an example. There'll be a guaranteed or fixed minimum rate of return over that set period of time. They'll, typically, there's less downside, meaning like it's guaranteed to come in, um, versus if it's you know invested in an investment account, it could fluctuate all the time. So you're, you're going to get much less upside in the in the growth, but there's less downside. Um, we fundamentally believe this is not not a thing for accumulation. So don't buy this and then. Re- be 20 years away from retirement because you're just missing out on rate of returns in the stock market. Another thing, a lot of these, these fixed annuities have to do with interest rates. And so the last, you know, what, five years or so interest rates have been really low, which is making be these less attractive interest rates have gone up. They're a little bit more attractive. Um, but a lot of things to consider when you're buying one of these. And so really the only time that we think these make sense is exactly what you said. So guaranteed income for, for somebody in retirement. Yeah, so if someone's leading up to retirement, like, you know, let's say within 10 years and someone wants to secure some guaranteed income and they there's something called an immediate income annuity and then a DIA, deferred income annuity. And both of these can be appropriate for someone close to the top of Mount Everest or already on the top and looking to safely distribute assets. But again, we would say, you know, typically, you know, 10% of, of liquid net worth would be the, the most that we want to see go into this type of annuity. So, uh, but the important part of this is this would serve as part of a bond allocation typically because we like to see seven years worth of distribution. So if someone, you know, has 200,000 a year of income need in retirement and 80,000 is now secured through an annuity and social security, it leaves a $120,000 gap. And so we want to see seven years, um, which would be $840,000 of that 2.7 million in that example. Um, so about a third of the portfolio will still be safe, and then two thirds would and they would allow them to then be you know diversified into long term equities to keep up with inflation. So, um, with that being said, let's just use the example. You you're in your mid to late sixties. You give an insurance company, um, and so just a couple quick hits on the type of insurance company. You typically want to see a mutual AAA rated insurance company. So there's you know five really really good ones I can think of. Um, First of all, uh, each state is going to back up these annuities. Like if that company goes bankrupt, typically most states will will also step in if the company you know goes bankrupt or gets bought out. The state will will back up the guarantees of the annuity up to like a three hundred thousand dollar purchase, for example, in Pennsylvania. And so, literally, if even if the insurance company goes bad, the state will step in and continue the payments until the the annuitant beneficiary dies. So. Um, with that being said, the other thing to look out for on top of it being a, a reputable company is, is you want to have a company that has a solid block of business that's diversified between life insurance and annuities. So if you think about if a, if a company, if 90% of their business is annuities and then doctors figure out how people can live like 20 or 30 years longer, which is happening, which is happening, right? That company then has a 20 or 30 year obligation miscalculation on their books and they're probably going to go under. However, if that same company, instead of having 90% annuities, has 50% of their book, their revenue is life insurance, the other 50% is annuities. If people, if they grossly miscalculate annuities and people live 20 years longer than expected, they're going to lose a ton of money on those annuities, but 
they're going to make up for that with their life insurance because they were expecting to pay out these life insurance death benefits. And instead, they get to keep that money invested for those same 20 years that people outlived their expectation on the annuity side. So as long as you're purchasing an annuity from a company that has a diversified book of business between life insurance on one side and annuities on the other side, you want to look out because that's going to protect you as the consumer, especially if you're going above what the state will guarantee from that income annuity. Um, the other thing to look out for is looking for, you know, you can name a joint annuitant. So for example, if, um, if you purchase one and you retire Jameson and you had a spouse, you could take a haircut and say, instead of giving me, I'm going to give you 300,000. If the company hypothetically gives you 20,000 a year until you die, you know, so first of all, let's just realize that's a 15 year break even point. So if you don't, if you live under 15 years, the, that company is keeping the difference um, so really you have to live, you know, probably 20 plus years minimum. So 15 years to get your money back, but then factoring in inflation, you know, we're talking probably 20 plus years that you need to live. So adding a spouse, so if you die early, it, it continues to pay your spouse. And then what I really like to see, because there's not a huge difference between a payout if you just take it under your name versus if you take it with a spouse. I also like to add a 20 year guaranteed period certain on these contracts so, for example, if you were to give the company three hundred thousand, and they were to give you, let's say, that twenty thousand in return, but we put a, a twenty-year guaranteed period certain and a spouse on that, and then let's say now they're only going to be nineteen thousand a year. Well, no matter what, twenty years is going to get paid, even if you die in year one, your spouse dies in year two. There's another eighteen years that would go to ch- kids, and so you know, twenty years total times nineteen thousand, that's going to be. 380,000. So you're not, not only going to get your $300,000 back, you're going to get another 80,000. And it's going to go to your, your children as well. So with these type of annuities, we really like if you're married, you know, make it a joint, make it a, um, put a period certain on it as well, just to protect, protect yourself. Um, you can't, you know, social security and pensions, typically when you, when you pass those, those assets or those income streams then disappear. Um, so we don't want to put too much on the table that just disappears. So you can protect that with the, the guaranteed period, uh, period certain rider on these as well. But anything else to add? I think we've hit the fixed annuities yeah. um, in great detail. These can still be like missold if you put too much money into them. So again, we like these for distribution clients, people that are retired, actively receiving income. Uh, we also like to make sure that it's only covering obligatory needs. There's wants and needs in retirement. So if your social security doesn't cover your needs, this could be purchased to cover the needs. Um, and then you have to then realize that this is another safe asset. So that enables you to invest more aggressively mm-hmm. with the rest of your liquid net worth. Anything else to add? No, I think that's a good, a good place to start too, because that's the basis of what an annuity you're buying income. And then these other types of annuities have kind of spun off of that, which like is not yeah. for what they were intended to be built for, I guess. Um, Absolutely. So the next one indexed annuity like you said, this has kind of been like a fad lately, um, and it's pitched for accumulation. And then um, you can annuitize it. Let's just say, so like, you buy this thing when you're in your 30s. The agent's gonna pitch it of like you're gonna have you're gonna still participate in stock market upside, which we'll talk about in a second. But then when you get into retirement, you could annuitize it if you wanted to, and then basically do what we said in the first thing. But these are um, can be really complicated and like extremely misleading, in my opinion. So get like, I've been on like, cause some clients that, you know, 
had a previous advisor and they have these insurance, some of these insurance contracts that are stuck. Like I've heard these pitches. Oh, so awful. let's let's go through awful. like a sample pitch, and this is going to be semi a joke, but in reality, it's like like what happens? Clients hear these pitches all the time. Yeah. So let, you, I'll go through this. So okay, this is legitimately, and this none of this is true. I'm just saying this, like this is what people hear out there. All right. So Mr. Client, Mr. And Mrs. Client, um, in today's day and age, the stock market is so uncertain. You know, they say these times are different. And you you need to sleep well at night and make sure your money's protected. So. We have a solution to that. We have the upside of the S&P 500. If the S&P 500 goes up, you participate. And if the S&P 500 goes down like it did in 2008, it went down, you know, 37%. Or during COVID, it went down like crazy. And, and all this craziness, you're protected, Mr. Client. Like your money can't go below zero. So um, I'll, I'll check with the, the company. But I mean, right now there's limits. They, they may only accept a million dollar deposit. <laughs> But we're going to see if we can get an exception and see if you can put more than a million dollars in this. You know, ideally, we'd want to get all your money into this. Um, why wouldn't you? You have the S&P 500 on the upside and you have no downside. That's legitimately like a pitch yeah. that I've witnessed. It's insane. And so then here's here's a reality. So we had a client that put in, just call it $100,000, one of these things, these S&P 500 index annuities. And this was like back in, I don't know, this was back in 2013. And they became our clients in around 2018. So they had this money stuck in here for five years. They put 100 grand in there. Now the S&P 500 during those five years was, it was like double digit, double digit returns. The 100,000, when we took the money out, it was worth like 104,000. Um. In this hundred thousand, this time period that we evaluated the money, if it was truly tied to the S and P five hundred, it should have doubled. So here's a reality of how the contract read. The contract read like this: Every month, if the S and P five hundred went up one point two percent, they got that participation. If the S and P five hundred went up five percent, they only got one point two. If the S and P five hundred went down, they they were protected. Um, they did not get credit for the S&P 500 dividends. So the dividends were excluded. So first of all, dividends may have made up how much of the... The S&P 500 has averaged just north of 9% over the last 100 years. If you didn't participate in dividends of the S&P 500, that makes up for over, I believe, a third of the return. Yeah, I have it right here actually listed out. So 2021, the S&P 500 returned 23.89%. Dividends were 1.3% of that. 2020, 18%. Dividends, 1.5%. 2019, 31.5%. Dividends, 1.8%. So it's basically about 2% a year of the return is is from the is from dividends. But when you reinvest those, yeah, I read an article. It's it's about a third of, a little over a third of your return in the S&P yeah. 500 over the last 100 years has come from dividends. So right, right off the bat... The insurance company is saying, well, you don't get credit for dividends. So they're taking what historically has done 9% a year, and they're guaranteeing you only get 6% right off the bat. Yeah. So that's that's problem number one. Huge issue, typically never disclosed. It's just S&P 500 returns. Well, okay, a third of your returns pop are- Pop the hood up, yeah. Pop the hood up, and suddenly, okay, we've got issues. This isn't a brand new car. This is like a really old car. Problem number two is- does the SP 500 go up just magically slowly 1.2% per month? No, yeah. some months, some days it goes up. It averages a 
you know, oscillation basically on a daily basis. So um, we can we can pull the statistics for that. But the reality is, with that cap of twelve percent, I mean, you you had another client that we had to to get these out. So two thousand twenty one S and P five hundred returns were twenty three point eight nine percent. Less the dividends, less the cap of twelve. So if you were in this type of product, you would have missed ten point five percent, ten point five eight percent of your return. Two thousand twenty S and P five hundred return eighteen point four. Divid- rip the dividends out one point five eight. You're capped at 12, so you just missed 4.8% returns. 2019, the S&P 500 returned 31.49%, less dividends of 1.83. You're capped at 12, so you just missed a 17.66% return. All right, 2018, bad year for the S&P 500, negative 4.3, dividends are two. Okay, you have a, so that year you, you missed a drop of 4%. But just compare that. In the first three years, you missed 10.5, 4.8, 17. So we missed 31% returns. And on the downside, we've avoided a 4% loss. So we're still 27% behind. You compound this over 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, there's a reason if you if that investor had put $100,000 in when they did the S&P 500 in the index fund, they'd be over 200000 and there's a reason they put 100,000 in this index annuity that's tied to the S&P 500. And they, when we pulled it out, it only had $104,000 in it. That's so, it. Yeah, this example of off the numbers that you just said, it's the nine years that, that this thing was in the annuity. First off, this was inside, these are inside of like IRAs, SEP IRAs. I want to say maybe it was, there was even one in their 401k plan. They had every, everything was in crazy. This. But 200,000 was initially invested in 2013. After the surrender fee and everything, this client was, this was in 2021, it's 252000 And so had that just been invested in the SP 500 based on the numbers that we just talked about, it'd be $430,000. Again, if it's an IRA, you're not paying capital gains taxes on it like it was. And how much actually was it? Two fifty. So it's like a $200,000, almost $200,000. They missed two hundred grand. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then the wife had one too. So and how old were these? These were doctors, right? Yeah, they were. I guess they're now in their forties. They would have been in like late thirties, mid to late thirties when these were sold. So they they didn't even made it to base camp yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these are. I mean, there's these are these are bad. Um, and then so that's like okay. Let's climb. I mean, basically what this is. This is like climbing Mount Everest and like, hey, what do we need? We need food. We need water. Why not? Let's put these bricks on our backpack. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they did. Yeah. And then we'll get into fees in a second, but then when you start digging into the fees too, that eats away at it. But high level indexed annuities, not what they look like. They're, you know, what's the analogy? The, um, the Trojan horse or something. It looks really nice, but then like bad things come out. Like that's basically what it is. Looks shiny. It's not. Um, I've never heard that before. Hopefully yeah, other people yeah. have. No, I think that's right. All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Just like I'll take your word for these index annuities are perfect. No, yeah, I'm just no, kidding. They're awful. Um, um, well, let's look. We'll get into a little bit more specifics here in a second. But then variable annuities, why don't you talk about what those are? Yeah, so, I mean, variable annuities are, um, there's certain scenarios where they can be good. But most of the time, they're oversold. So just just off the bat, like, what should you expect? A fixed annuity um, with a reputable AAA rate, rate insurance company, it's probably going to pay the person selling it, like, I don't know, two or three percent of the of the amount you're putting in. Um, 
which is still, you know, it's a high commission. But if you're doing that in the context of a financial plan and that money's getting managed at 1%, it's actually for the consumer, it's a cheaper place, you know, than paying the advisor. Um, so an advisor who's on AUM kind of have conflict of interest not to sell this, right? Not to sell the good stuff. Um, just want to point that out there as well. Uh, you know, of, of an index annuities, these things pay like eight to ten percent. They pay triple what the good, you know, the income annuities pay, and there's a reason for that. I mean, because we're going to talk about the fees and expenses. But I mean, once you, you put a hundred thousand dollars in, you only took a hundred four thousand out five years later. Your example, two thousand thirteen to two thousand twenty one, you put in how much? Uh, two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. There's only two fifty eight in there. Yeah. When there should have been like four fifty. Yeah. Yeah, that money's going somewhere. It's going to the agent who sold it. A huge commission. It's twenty five grand right off the bat, and then it's going to the insurance company who's taking. You know, first of all, the companies aren't investing in the SP five hundred. There's a reason for that. They're investing in like hedged, very complex uh, hedge strategies that guarantees they make a ton of money from these things. So they have this figured out. Um, they the sales pitch and, you know, participate in the upside, protecting the downside. I mean, it hits the emotions of everyone, what everyone's scared of, yeah. but the ending result, I mean, it's a, Disaster. it's very misleading. Yeah. Yeah. So if you understand everything, you understand the fees and you still want to do this. I mean, there, there are some index annuities that are cheaper. So I'm not going to say every index annuity is bad. I'm sure there are some examples where they could be a fit and could be good in general when we evaluated them. First of all, we've never sold one. We've evaluated everyone we've evaluated. We've recommended it to get out, you know, when surrender fees, even sometimes with surrender fees, because well, the break even point is is best just to pay it. And sometimes after the surrender fees expire. Yeah, we, we ran an analysis for this client on take the surrender fee and invest it. And it still made more sense to take this projecting it out what after the expenses and everything to pay the big surrender fee and, and then invest it versus just leaving it in there. And they still, yeah. Cause they, I think they, that, that example, they were paying all in like 3.79%. Yeah. And all in, if they switched over cause they had other assets, they were under 1%. So they yeah. basically cut their fees and going to round it up to four to one. Yeah. They cut their fees by 70, you know, 75%. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's a reason for that. And they broke even within like 12 months. Yeah. Um, all right, let's so. look at variable annuities. Give us a high level review of that. Yeah, so variable annuity essentially is you're, you're, in, you're giving your money to an insurance company. It's a bucket of money. It's not like a, a promise. You could eventually annuitize it and make it a promise where then it's tied to the market up and down as sub-accounts you can select, like a mutual fund. Um, so essentially you're purchasing some guarantees of not of the investments of the market value going up and down, but some guarantees that once you annuitize it, it's tied to, you know, mortality rates, et cetera. So, um, in general, it's still the same concept. You're giving money to an insurance company. You have the option to annuitize it where they pay you a paycheck for life, but it's tied to the market up and down. So first of all, we don't, we really don't like these because if you're going to do a, if you're going to talk about doing the guaranteed part of your plan where you're planning against living too long, we want that actually guaranteed. We don't want that tied to the stock market. Um, and then the second thing is some of these can have extremely high expenses um, involved with them just because they're called an annuity. Um, the good applications for these is some states have asset protection for annuities. So, for example, if you're a doctor, some states will give you like half a million dollars you can put in here. It's, it's tax deferred. 
Um, you do pay taxes on the gains if it's a non-qualified annuity at your income rates in retirement. So that's a big reason we don't like them because if you just invest in stocks, you'd pay capital gain taxes, which could be almost half of what income taxes would be if you're a you know a high net worth, high income doctor. Um, and the expenses are going to drag down your return if you're in the accumulation stage. So where we see the good applications for variable annuities, if you have a extremely low cost option, so for example, like Fidelity has a, an annuity where it's like no commissions in, you pay, I think, 10 basis points, 10 or 15 basis points to have it as an annuity, and whatever you know team you're with, whatever their fee is, and that's it. Versus like an industry standard variable annuity, you're probably paying 3 or 4%. Um, so you can get this for dirt cheap with the right company. Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, for example, would have you know very cheap variable annuities if you just want a wrapper around something to asset protect it. And let's dive in up like a real example that we'll use that for is clients that have gotten oversold an annuity or a life insurance contract. And so we're trying to unwind it. And you can do what's called a 1035 exchange. So you can take the money in an annuity or a life insurance contract, tax-free rolled into another insurance product. And so if we've seen, if, if you're underwater, meaning if you've put in, let's use this same example, if you put in 200 and it's gone down, so up, this one, obviously there was a floor, but if it had gone down to 150 and you pulled the money out and then you invested it into an investment account, the basis now is 150. And so if you're, um, if it grows back up to that 200, you're paying capital gains taxes on that 50,000 of growth. Well, you could 1035 that into fidelity variable annuity, really cheap, invested in the market. And then that rebound from 150 to 200 is tax free. It's inside of that annuity wrapper. Absolutely. And then we could cash it out and put it in the investment account. Um, and the other thing to realize, too, is with an annuity, if it's a non-qualified annuity, if you're under the age of 59 and a half, any gains above that 200 are going to get taxed income rates plus a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. But if you're just pulling your basis out, so that in that example, the 150, ride it tax-free back up to the basis of 200, then rip it out. There's no taxes, there's no penalties, and now we can put it in a non-qualified direct index account where you're paying capital gains, not income rates, yeah. and then have the flexibility, there's no age restrictions, et cetera. Now, what would you do if someone had a variable annuity inside of an IRA, and let's say they're 40 years old? Do we have to roll that into another annuity, or what, what's the options there? No, you can just go IRA to IRA, because there's no... Um, and leave the annuity behind. Yeah, you basically, that's, that's basically, it's an annuity, but then with like an IRA wrapper on it, so... This is how complicated these things are. Like, um, it's like a you're in the the instead of a mutual fund, you're in an, an annuity, like these sub accounts, but it's inside of an IRA. So you basically just sell out of that and then move it over to an IRA. And that's tax free, penalty free. If yeah. you're going to IRA to IRA, so all the the you know the yeah. the rules apply yeah. there. So I, I've even seen, yeah, not to go on a tangent. I've even seen like annuities inside of Roth Roth IRAs, which is like. Criminal. We're going to stay positive here. We're not <laughs> going to go there. But yeah, don't do that. So, okay. So three examples. Let's say someone's 40 years old, has an annuity. It's non-qualified. It's underwater. And that example, that person would want to 1035 that to another annuity to get the tax-free ride back up to basis. At that point, then consider moving out. If it's not an asset protection concern, move it out to a regular non-qualified account or then they have capital gain rate treatment on the gains, plus flexibility without age restriction, et cetera. If someone in the same example has a 40 years old, they put in 200, it's now worth 250, what do we do now? And it's a non-qualified annuity. 
Wait, say that one more time. If they were so, someone's forty years old, has two hundred thousand a non-qualified annuity. It hasn't gone down; it's gone up. It's now worth two fifty. What do we do now? You could so if you just if you sell it, you're paying capital. You're paying ordinary income rate plus On the fifty thousand plus, plus the ten percent. Yeah. Um, so that would be. I mean, this is where we'd have to do some analyzing. It's a more complex situation. Uh, maybe unwind. Um, how would you say there are forty? Yeah. So, the, I mean, the, really the two options is you could, you could, you know, essentially absorb that penalty yeah. now because you want flexibility and, and the ability to access all the money without penalties in the future. Yeah. So we'd pay 10%, pay a $5,000 uh, penalty to the IRS plus the taxes on that 50000 Let's say someone's in a 32% tax bracket. They'd pay another, um, I can't do math right now, 16000 right, of... Uh, 32% 15 plus yeah 16,000 of tax plus penalty penalty which would be 5,000 so out of that 50,000 of gains they'd pay $21,000 right to the IRS but then they'd have a net uh $229,000 that's then flexible and can be invested in non-qualified yeah. accounts that would be one option may not be the best option depending on tax rates now and expected tax rates in the future the other options we could just 1035 that into a low cost variable annuity we cut the fees from four percent down to like you know less than one percent, and and then just ride it, ride it up till age sixty, um, have that asset protection, and then start unwinding it during retirement. Um, but that's not going to really hurt you if the cost of that having that annuity is only you know ten basis points yeah. versus it being like four percent. You could you could lose hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in yeah. fees. So one other thing with the taxes too, the um, so obviously capital gains taxes versus income rates a big difference, but most variable annuities don't receive. So even if you just rode that out, you're like I'm going to pass this on to my kids. There's no step up in basis. So if a non-qualified account with a basis of a hundred thousand that's worth two hundred thousand, you have a hundred thousand of growth. If you know you die, pass it to your daughter. She gets the step up in basis to two hundred thousand. If it's a stock, if it's regular. a stock, yeah. Yep. But an annuity, in most most cases, that doesn't exist. She would get the two hundred thousand, but she'd have to pay taxes mm-hmm. still on the hundred thousand dollar gain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a non qualified variable annuity is not something it's you want to pass to yeah. a beneficiary yeah. versus like a regular non qualified yeah. stock account would be a great place to yeah. pass money to, to kids. One use case I actually just did this with a client. He had one, and he. Um, he was in retirement. He's like seventy in retirement, and there was it was it wasn't huge, but there was a gain that we didn't want to we don't want to take it out because we're distributing now, and he's in, he's coming down the mountain in distribution modes. So we're being aware of Medicare surcharges, tax bracket management, Roth conversions, yep. all this stuff. So we're basically we're taking the annuity that had this gain that he's never going to use, and he wanted some money to go to charity. So we redid re- re- his whole estate plan. And we made the annuity, we put the, uh, we opened a donor advised fund, made the donor advised fund the beneficiary of the annuity. So we brought it over into that fidelity, low cost, variable annuity. We're just going to let it ride. And then when he dies, it's going to go right into that donor advised fund, no taxes. He doesn't have to pay taxes versus if it goes to his kid, he pays taxes and then the charity gets it tax free. Nice. That's a good example. Um, one other case use case for variable annuities. If someone got oversold whole life insurance, um, generally, you know, we are believers in whole life insurance. If you're high income, let's say over half a million dollars of income as a household, um, and you know, asset protection, tax, tax, lots of tax benefits, and um, 
you know, protection first. Life insurance is life insurance. It's meant to have a death benefit. Um, but like, it's a very you know tax efficient, safe place to store money if the policies are structured correctly. However, um, a lot of you know agents, insurance agents out there will we've seen oversell um, these contracts, right? So you know, generally, if someone is put, making half a million dollars, maybe five percent of their income, maybe they're contributing two thousand a month. Let's say someone making. Um, half a million dollars was sold a policy that they're paying $6,000 a month. So triple what we'd recommend, um, which we've seen happen, obviously. So, and now we're, they're in the midst of doing a financial plan. And they're like, what do we do with these? They're underwater. We put in 200,000 cash value is worth 150. Well, one option would be you can 1035 a whole life insurance contract, the cash value into a variable annuity. Now, if you just cash the thing out, of the whole life policy and you put in 200 and it's only worth 150, that $50,000 loss you're going to take. And there's no, you can't carry that forward like a stock loss. Um, however, if you 1035 it into a low cost, no commission variable annuity, the basis will transfer from a life insurance contract to annuity. So that 150 will transfer over. And then essentially that client has a tax free ride from 150 back up to the basis of 200. They don't have to pay taxes on that 50,000. And then once it reaches 200, then we can transfer it out to the ta- a taxable, a non-qualified account, um, where then it just gets capital gain treatment. So for someone unwinding a whole life insurance contract, typically a variable annuity is the best first place because most people, if they have a whole life insurance contract that's properly been placed, it's a lifetime tool and you don't want to cancel it. So typically you're canceling it. Someone canceling a whole life insurance product would be, you know, because they've had a job loss or they were oversold. And most likely they're canceling it because it's on, you know, it's underwater. What's this doing? So then the best place for it to do would be, would be a variable annuity to get some tax-free growth back up. Um, but again, only a low cost, no commission variable annuity with intent just to ride it back up the basis and then get it out. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, like, I think we hit on most of these, but I put a list of like main problems. Um, we can go through any of these we didn't hit, but high level, they're super complex and confusing these contracts. Most of the time, the agent selling it doesn't even fully understand it. And um, general rule of thumb that I like to advise on is don't invest in something you don't understand. So um, hard to hard to understand and complicated would be one problem. Fees and expenses we talked about. So this is an example of the the client that we talked about. This annuity had this is an index annuity. Just to be clear, yeah, right? it's an indexed annuity. So there was no there's no flat like advice. There can be an advisory fee. Generally, there's no flat for like an asset center management fee. So there's number one, the mortality and expense cost. That's just the insurance company saying, hey, we're afraid you're going to live too long. So we have to take a fee out of this is to protect us in case you live too long. Yeah. And there's an expense for us to have this annuity on the books. So we're going to charge you how much? This one was 1.33%. And then there was the sub account fee. So this would be the, um, you know, if you're in a low cost ETF, be 10 basis points. 0.1%. 0.1. This sub account was 0.99, so about 1%. Uh, And and so there's that. And then there was a death benefit rider on it, which was 0.55%. And then there was income rider, which was 0.92. And the all-in cost was 3.79%. I have no comment. And they were in their 40s or maybe late 30s. So they were accumulating still. Is this person in jail that sold it to him? <laughs> I, would, I, I would put him in jail. 
Yeah, so we've seen. All right, so let's get to the point. So 3.79%, that will ruin your chances of, of yeah, because of, that's that's coming out when the market's up or down. Yeah. Right, so just the reality is how these work. So how, And plus, these these contracts will offer all these bonuses. You put the money in, we'll give you a 10% bonus. So here, here's how this actually works, right? So what someone has to understand if they're purchasing the index annuity is typically there's a couple of that. There could be up to three, like three values, right? So you have your, um, what's it called? Your your annuitization value. Uh, yeah, there's there's a name for it. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll so it does. It's irrelevant, right? But basically, there's three different values, and two of these three are basically fake, right? So there's a death benefit value if you die before a certain point, or just get life insurance. Don't try to mix up all these tools. Yeah. Secondly, there's a annuity value, and that's that's like the annuitization value is is fake until you annuitize it, and that's where the bonus is. Like if you Hey, come give us your money. We're going to give you a 10% bonus. That's not on the market value. Like if you rip that thing out the next year, that bonus doesn't work off of the actual money, but you are going to get a surrender charge. It's going to be extremely expensive. So what people have to realize is when they were talking all this like industry jargon, it's not on your actual money. It's on the annuitization value. And most people that do index annuities, they don't even annuitize the thing. Yeah. Um, so, you have to realize, okay, if you put in 100000 you have a bonus and it's a guaranteed growth of 8% a year for the first 10 years, whatever it is, that's on the annuitization value, which only is going to matter if you annuitize a thing or if you start taking income. And when they start giving you income, they're going to cap you at like only taking 4 or 5% a year. Um, so we did some very detailed analysis showing, okay, if you do this, you get the bonus, you get that guaranteed growth over the eight years. And let's say you do end up taking the income when you're 65 and you live till 95, like your ending return with all that guaranteed growth and all those bonuses, like their ending um, return, what internally was like two or three percent. It was the same as a CD, um, but with zero liquidity. Because if this, if you did this and you try to pull the money out, you're immediately if you put 100 grand in there, you're only gonna have like 90 thousand. There's gonna be this huge surrender fee. Um, typically, those surrender fees, if you take the whole thing out even later. Because uh, you're limited to only being able to take it out. So these these products, like the de- the decks, are totally stacked in favor of the insurance company and the agent selling it. Yeah. Um, and once you're in, it's it's done. It's too yeah. late. Yeah. Well, sometimes you, you you literally the contracts are illiquid. Yeah. You can't get the money out. So be very careful. Yeah, yeah. Be very careful. Um, okay. Well, that was actually the second one. Is liquidity. Sometimes you you can actually never get the money out. Um, and so typically then there's a big surrender fee. And so we've talked about this in our, on our episode on safe assets, but what's the purpose of safe assets? To have the money when, the, when everything else is kind of hitting the fan. And if you can't get the money out, then how safe is it? It's probably the riskiest thing you've done because you can't get it. Yeah. Um, so liquidity is a concern, limited investment options. So if you're in these sub-accounts, these are not the same as mutual funds or ETFs. These are accounts that the ins- generally... Most cases, these are accounts that the insurance company owns. Um, so that's a, a, a downside. And then the tax inefficiency. So the ta- we already talked about this, but ordinary income rates versus long-term capital gains. If your income rate's higher than your long-term capital gains rate, obviously that would hurt you. Um, and a lot of times these aren't inflation adjusted. And if they are, you're paying the, the fee for them along the way. You're paying one of those added costs to get... If you ever annuitize it, then it grows with inflation. So um, infl- inflation could eat away at these things as well. Crazy. Crazy. Um, 
Well, in closing, you know, the annuities can be a really complicated landscape. So I recommend work with an advisor to understand it. Um, educate, empower yourself on how long-term markets work. You know, put the deck in your favor. Uh, the stock market's essentially a a transfer of wealth from impatient investors to, to patient investors. So understand how it works. Uh, position yourself in a financial plan so you don't have to worry about stock market crashes. You have actual safe and liquid money available. Um, and if you're going to consider annuity, you probably only should be doing so if you're within 10 years of retirement of that, you know, climbing, now we're descending stage. Um, and if you do so, in general, would recommend, you know, income annuities um, that are fixed with the AAA, you know, mutual insurance company um, or with the stock company as long as it's under the state guarantees. Look at the company's balance sheet. What is their block of business? Do they have a strong mix of life insurance and uh, annuity business? Protect yourself. And in general, steer clear of index annuities. And in general, um, variable annuities, case use them if, you know, asset protection, but do so with a low-cost, non-commission type annuity with a, you know, a reputable provider um, like Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, et cetera. Uh, but we welcome any questions from listeners and uh, hopefully this was helpful. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and please uh, give us a rating. That's how we can have a more reach and, and reach our, our goals of financial literacy for the, the masses. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button, uh, make sure to rate the podcast and please share, uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.